Let's start with prayer. (laughs) Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you that Robin is back with us. We ask that you would just continue to bring your restoration to her body physically, and we ask that you would continue to strengthen her and her spirit man. And um, Father, I just ask that what you have me release today would be a strengthening and encouragement to us all, and that that which is spoken will only be what you need released in this timetable. In Jesus' name. All right. <laughs> so as most of my lessons start, it was a point of resistance. <laughs> this, this was actually supposed to be David teaching, and um, he had drill. And so probably two weeks ago, he said, well, can you just fill in for me? Are you on the schedule yet? And I was just like, oh. It's the, the week before the week before the beach house, and it's the kids' last week of school, and you want me to teach. And so it just turned into a lovely discussion. And then the Lord convicted me that, <laughs> you know, these are opportunities that I have to press into his heart and really, um, you know, it's, it's not that, how do I say it? Not that I don't like teaching. I just don't look for extra opportunities. <laughs> and, so, and so it was one of those that, um, but then thinking that, okay, you know, because I was convicted, he and I hadn't talked again. So I was just preparing, Lord, if I'm supposed to teach, what am I supposed to share? And um, so I was praying about it. And then the irony is, David comes back and says, well, I talked to my commander. I'm going to be off Sunday so I can teach. I'm like, okay, you know. And then (laughs) his great aunt died. (laughs) And so then he was out of town on Friday. So for the funeral yesterday, and he's driving back today. And so once again, hey, honey, can you teach for me? (laughs) I'm like, okay, Lord, apparently what you're showing me, I'm supposed to be releasing. So, (laughs) but um, anyways, so when I was praying, the Father gave me this vision of myself, and I was standing on the bottom of the ocean floor, and I was feeling, it's kind of like when you duck dive under a wave, you know, because like the huge wave is coming, so you just crouch down, and you feel the force of it go over top of you, but you're able to, for the most part, <laughs> stay rooted where you are because you ducked down versus trying to jump up and over, and then it whoosh, takes you down. Um, but... So as I was in this place, I just felt like the Father was saying, you know, go look up the depths. And so I was looking it up in Scripture, and although the word at the top of your sheet is deep, it was the same word. Is that? I don't know if that's me. I don't think it's me. Oh, it is. (laughs) Just kidding. Putting that on silent. Um, Right? (laughs) Well, here's the irony. I think it like dinged in the car, and I thought it was Robin's phone or something, so I ignored it, and now it's still dinging. Um, So all of that to say, so the word here is deep, but when you look it up, deep is also depth. It goes back and forth. And so um, the word that we're looking at is tehom, which means an abyss, a subterranean water supply, and it roots back to a word which is whom, which is to make an uproar, to agitate greatly, destroy, make a noise, move, or to ring again. So I just made the applicable definition. 
really, a place of supply that is set up to be able to move or cause great agitation to the point of destruction in order to bring restoration. So not bring, but bring. <laughs> and um, I really felt like in doing this study that this point of the depth is really a point of partnership. And you'll see because the first scripture actually that it's utilized is at the very inception of creation. But um, that it's a point of function and a point of partnership that the Father has intended from the beginning of creation. And so um, there's definitely, when you're in this point of the depth, because as we just identified, it is a place where there's great agitation, that um, you just get to anticipate the agitation that comes with this, this work of the Lord. But so starting in Genesis 1, chapter 1, verses 1 through 2, it says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And then we know that there was the whole fall of the angelic because it goes on after that to say, and the earth was, was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And this word here, deep, is our word. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. So, it's interesting because we know, you know, between chapter or verses one and two, that there was the fall because there was the fallout, so to speak, between Lucifer and the angelic beings he'd mustered on his behalf for really him not wanting that um, partnership that God wanted to create between himself and man. And so that kind of started the process. And so when it says the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. So this darkness has to do with an ignorance as with holding the light. And face is panah. So we know that has to do with, you know, the directive of the Lord where he's looking, we're looking, and then of the deep. So, um, you know, after the fall of Lucifer and the other angelic beings, there was a withholding of the light of God that would bring understanding to how he intended for this agitated supply to be capable, um, or this agitated supply that is capable of bringing destruction and then life, how it was to move in alignment with the face of God in accordance with his righteous vision. And, you know, the enemy really wanted to cover over this point of partnership so that it wouldn't be known. And I do find it interesting that then the next thing that the Father declares um, with his breath, because it says, you know, and then God, so the heart of God, El, moved upon the face of the waters. Um, so we know it's his breath moves upon, and, and let me backtrack for a minute. So the word here for waters is actually mayim, which <laughs> means urine or semen or waste. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. But I'll, I'll try and make the connection here. <laughs> and so, you know, I just saw this as what the Father was showing me, rather, is that to start the process of restoration, the breath from God's very heart, you know, his very intent moves upon that creative capacity, which had been made as waste. And, you know, in other words, you had God's original intent but it had been processed through this perspective of the enemy that then left this almost like a waste product. And the best analogy I know to use is like your kidneys. So your kidneys, you know, when they create waste or urine, it's after all of the 
um, useful substance has been drawn from whatever you've ingested, and then your kidneys are filtering out either the extra fluid or just the extra um, elements that aren't needed. And so it was almost like there was, you know, when God, when his, um, when he moves upon the face of the waters because the enemy had come down and tried to obscure, it's like, again, he'd taken what the father had and through his process, it's almost like it had made waste of what the father intended, if that makes sense. Mom's giving me a look like it doesn't quite make sense. Follow, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, do what? The kidneys do what? Do they scrub the blood? Well, they pure, they, I mean, that's what they're getting the waste out of is your blood. Yeah. So, um, and then, you know, it says, and then he speaks light, and that that's the first thing that he does, that it would bring illumination. And so the word for light is or, which includes, you know, including lightning, but it also means happiness. And, um, and so it's, you know, to me, it's that concept of, you know, just as, you know, the Father spoke forth, and we know we've had teachings before about, you know, the power of our voice, and that when we're functioning in the same manner that the Father did, that we can speak with his authority that will bring light. And in this, really, this point of happiness, because, you know, the association between light and happiness is that you have the unveiling of the truth. And with that, there's the restoration of identity and function and power to people, to the earth, when that is being spoken. And so this is what the Father first declares when he's bringing about, you know, after his breath has moved upon the face of the waters, that the next thing he does is then declare the light that's going to bring the understanding or the illumination of how that world was supposed to truly... um, be functioning or how it was to identify. Go ahead. Okay. I, I, I guess I think I was jumping ahead and I, I didn't hear what you said at the very beginning and I put the wrong thing down. So I'm trying to grasp it. Okay. So when you were talking about the ignorance and withholding light, that wasn't that the enemy could no longer understand, but it's like he was trying to keep that understanding from what God was going to create through right. man. Because it says specifically that the darkness was upon the face of the deep. So the darkness was upon this ability to see and understand how this point of the deep was to be functioning. So God's breath then moved on all that creativity that he initiated, but that the enemy had tried to obscure. Correct. Got it. Correct. Sorry. You probably said that much more succinctly than... <laughs> no? That's okay. So, um, and we see that um, how the Father then commands the deep when we look next into Genesis 7, um, chapter 7, verses 10 through 12. And this is in regards to Noah and the flood. And it says, And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were upon the earth. And the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, (laughs) the same day were all the fountains of the great abundant, or I'm sorry, of the great deep broken up. And the word for great is rab, which means abundant or exceedingly full. Um, And the windows of heaven were opened, and the rain was upon the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. And so the word for fountains actually means a source or a spring. Um, And so in essence, the wells that provided what I would say was controlled access 
to this point of supply that we've discussed, you know, would bring agitation for, to the point of destruction and then restoration. These were just, instead of it coming out in small amounts, it was, it was ripped open. And it was really an element of the judgment of the Lord being released. And we know that because, you know, in Noah's time, it was a time frame where spiritless beings were being created as the sons of um, God were mating with women. And so, you know, this was the Father's judgment. But to realize that um, the, the deep is described as, you know, being, it was a great deep. It was an abundance that was ripped open or a breach being made. And when it says, and the rain was upon the earth, that wasn't just like, oh, a nice rain. This was a violent shower (laughs) for 40 days and 40 nights. Um, And we know, you know, and this was the father's doing as he's ripping it open, but then by the same token, he also, you know, kind of puts the lid back on it. And we see that in Genesis 8. Did yeah. you guys see the Babylon Bee? Sorry, this is just something I'm throwing. Did you guys see the Babylon Bee thing that they posted? Do you guys know what the Babylon Bee is? It's a satire publication. And they, they, had, they put out these funny things that always have a religious tone to them. And they said, first Pride Day was, was ruined by a torrential 40-day um, rain. Rain. <laughs> day and night. I thought that was funny. <laughs> Apparently, it's not too funny. <laughs> right? Absolutely. <laughs> but, um, and so, as we look at Genesis 8, verses 1 and 2, right, we see the, um, again, how God commands the depth. And it says, And God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made a wind, which is his ruach or his breath, to pass over the earth and the waters of sewage. The fountains also of the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped and the rain from heaven was restrained. And so the word for stopped is sakar, which means to shut up or to surrender and it roots back to a word, cigar, that means to repair. So the father repaired these wells or these fountains of the deep so that they were no longer ripped open and just gushing forth. Stopped. When it says the windows of heaven were stopped. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But that this was all at the directive of his breath. You know, when you see it was his breath that was upon the the waters of the earth, it's his breath, because it says God made a wind, but it was his breath that passed over the earth and um, that you see things are shut up. And so, you know, the interesting thing here as well is that after this incident, you know, God says that he'll never flood the earth again in um, a point of judgment, but it does not mean that the judgment of the depths is not still at work because this work of the depths is akin really to his judgment and burning. When you think about that, um, you know, it brings agitation to that point of destruction, but it's a supply of it. It's a supply that's there so that right alignment can come and right function can be known. Why are you smiling at me like that? (laughs) It's just a mischievous look like you've got something hanging from your nose and nobody else but me can tell. (laughs) Thanks, I appreciate it. Um, And so... um, 
Okay. And I put my other statement down further, but I guess... All right. I don't know if it matters which order I read it. Not that it matters to you guys, to my brain. But so then let's look again at another instance where we see the breath of God as it moved upon the depths. And this is in Exodus 15, verses 5 and 8. And it says, The depths have covered them. They sank into the bottom as a stone. The right hand, O Lord, is become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy. And in the greatness of thine excellency, thou hast overthrown them that rose up against thee. Thou sentest forth thy wrath, which consumed them as stubble. And with the blast, which is Ruach, of thy nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The flood stood upright as in heap, and the depths, so the word there, depths is our word, were congealed or frozen in the heart of the sea. And so, again, this just reiterates that it's the breath of God is what is commanding these depths. And as sons, we embody this work at the depth. You know, and we see this both with, you know, the covenant rainbow that was placed in the sky after the incidents with Noah. And we knew that this was really um, this point of partnership that God set up where it was um, a new process of restoration, whereby his sons would be the ones to continually bring his judgment and burning to a point of restoration and fullness as we partnered with the ways of his seven spirits. So, um, but that this concept still of, you know, the, the depths um, being frozen is that, you know, if we're moving, well, and I guess I said it in this way, I said, you know, that if we're partnering with God and his spirit has been enlivened in us through our commitment to die to self and walk as his son, and we know this starts through our baptism, then we know that we're moving in his breath. And so we have the same authority to command the depths on behalf of his ways. Um, so. And so then I found it interesting that um, there's actually a blessing of the deep, and I titled it the commissioning because you know, the word for blessing is Barak. And so we know that to be that point of commissioning. And this first um, scripture in regards to it is found in Genesis 49, verses 25. It says, Even by the God of thy father, and this is um, Jacob speaking a blessing to Joseph. And it says, Even by the God of thy father, who shall help thee, and by the Almighty, who shall bless thee with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lieth under, blessings of the breast and of the womb. Um, I feel like... Is that all that I put on there? Yes. Sorry. And um, so there's several interesting things about the scripture. And one, because obviously we're looking at the deep, but that it was, it's interesting because this was a commissioning that came by the Almighty, which is Shaddai. And we, knew, we know that Jacob really understood the privilege of what it meant to walk with Shaddai as this walk was a point of covenant blessing that was passed down from Abraham to Isaac, and then from Isaac to Jacob. 
and we see it, and I didn't put the scripture on because it's just that it's Genesis 28, 3, and when that covenant blessing, it says, and God Almighty, which is El Shaddai, bless thee and make thee fruitful and multiply thee, that thou mayest be a multitude of people. And so it's the same idea of the blessing of El Shaddai that he's passing on to Joseph. And, um, you know, in this time frame, it was after Joseph had been taken into captivity and after he'd been, you know, a second in command with Pharaoh. And so already Israel had been brought in and provided for, and he'd been reunited with his brothers. And so at this point, when Jacob is dying is when he's kind of laying out how things will be for each of his sons. Um, And so when he, um, let's see, and, you know, and just as that point of reminder, and we know that El Shaddai is um, the one who, um, what is it, leads, guides, and protects, I believe, or trains. So, and I, I wrote it out, you know, the idea that the blessing or commissioning of El Shaddai speaks to one who would be leading him into undeveloped areas of God's choosing according to his divine timetable. And in these places, he would provide where provisions seemed absent and protect and nurture his people when there seemed to be nowhere to go and no way to proceed. And in fact, as I was just saying, this is something that Jacob had already been actively participating in, um, in this overcoming nature of walking with Shaddai, because he had been in a foreign land with seemingly everything against him, and yet he had prevailed through his reliance upon and trust in God. And so it's then interesting because it's through this aspect that God then blesses him or commissions him with the blessing of the deep or this ability to take a supply of agitation and apply it in such a manner that its destruction would bring about restoration when applied in the proper timetable of El Shaddai. And, you know, it's also the commissioning that we as sons receive from El Shaddai and can expect to operate in. And it's really in this aspect that we have to, we must discern and partner the power of our voice so we can bring that illumination just as the Father did at the beginning of creation. So any thoughts? Anybody, anybody? Okay. So, um, and so then next we see the depths as a weapon of the Lord. Um, yeah. And this is in Psalms 33, verses 4 through 7. And it says in verse 4, For the word, or the debar of the Lord, is right, and all his works are done in truth. He loveth righteousness and judgment. The earth is full of goodness, or tobe, of the Lord, so of his plans and purpose. By the word, by the debar of the Lord, were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathereth the waters of the sea together as a heap. He layeth up the the depth in storehouses. And so this word there, depth, is our word. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever, the thoughts of his heart to all generations. So 
here, it's interesting because, you know, we've learned about the storehouse, and we know that the storehouse is that armory, and it's also the place where the Father, you know, lays up his revelation for us as sons to be able to access and apply it at, again, at his direction. But it's in the same storehouse that when it says he layeth up, that actually means that he assigns the depth to be in this place. And... Um, and so, again, it becomes, and I'm just going to refer to it as a commissioning because we already know that that's really how the Father anticipates that we would operate with him under this commissioning of the depth. And so it's that which he lays up so that when he needs that point of um, agitation to stir up those things that aren't aligned with him, again, so that they would be utterly laid to waste and then the truth be known. You know, that's where we have to keep our mindset when we're in the midst of the agitation. (laughs) Because being in the midst of the agitation, you still, it's kind of like when you're under the wave and you feel it going over you, you still feel it. You know, it's not like it all just floats overhead and you're not feeling the pull of the force of the water. You still feel that. And so that agitation and and I feel like as well what the Father was kind of showing me is that, um, you know, yes, it's an agitation in the atmosphere, but there's also going to be an agitation in us because that's necessary to keep ourselves aligned with what he's doing. Because when you are in that agitated place, we have, we know that our soul, you know, our soulish man is always in enmity with the spirit. And so there's going to be that part of us kind of like with this lesson, that wants to push back and be like, Lord, I'll do whatever you ask me to. Like if the leadership asks me hands down, I will do it because I know that it's been directed and that it's an opportunity for growth. But I need to be like that no matter what because the Father is still providing opportunity, you know, and not be like, well, because leadership didn't ask me, I don't want to do it, you know. <laughs> but the idea being that you know, it's the agitation that's necessary in us for us to stay aligned as well, for those things that might resist to be stirred up to the point that they are destroyed and that then this point of life is coming forth from us. It's the same as with the fortress. Um, you have watchmen um, that that look, they're, they're awake, they're... They're constantly scanning the horizon for what might be coming, and and a watchman who sleeps at his station is worthless. and And so, this is the concept of you're saying being agitated. We've got to be on the lookout. We have to be watchful. Um, we we can't um, be staring off, or we can't be so focused on what's immediately at us uh, that we lose sight of the 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 big thing that's coming, and to uh, really um, Keep ourselves uh, awake. Keep ourselves vigilant, and and uh, that way, uh, nothing surprises us. Right, right. Well, and it's interesting because I think in the previous scripture, um, one of the when it's talking about the God the Father who shall help, that word for help actually has to do with surrounding or protecting thee and by the Almighty. So it's you know the the heart of God is surrounding and protecting us so that we can be um, moved then and placed where we need to be by El Shaddai so we can function with this blessing or the commissioning of the agitation. And so it's, you know, the Father is guarding us 
so that we can experience the agitation. He's guarding us so that, you know, that work can be accomplished. Um, you know, and you see in verses 8 through 11, then, the results of that, because it goes on to say, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. And again, when we're functioning in the same capacity, the fear isn't of us, but it's of the authority that we represent in the Lord, because they're going to know, the spirit realm is going to know that when we speak, those things that we declare are on behalf of the Father's intent, in alignment with his breath. And so it's going to be in awe. It's going to be in awe of the work that the Father's doing. And he will bring the counsel of the heathen to naught. <laughs> you know, he's going to make the devices of the people of none effect because it is his counsel that's going to stand forever. So it's good to remember that, especially in the midst of hearing a lot of opposing counsels that are agitating themselves and yet knowing that the Lord has his own supply. It's not just, I mean, if he wanted to, he could rip open the supply and you'd have the flood again. But, you know, as his sons were the ones who were are mediating or being the conduit for that supply. So that means we're the flood. Yes. Uh, which is interesting because um, you know, the promise of God was that no more would there be a flood, but the earth would be preserved for fire. And we represent the fire. You know, we, we represent judgment and burning, right. as you said earlier. And so... Uh, it's no stretch to look at the judgment of the earth coming through us as those agitated with the fire of God to bring truth that is light, uh, that is going to um, ultimately win. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> and it just makes me think the two months we've just come through, and I know there's been so many unique challenges that have risen up amongst many of the saints, and this fact that we have to remember that his plan and purpose does bring the counsel of the heathen to nothing. Right. It, it, it will have no fruition, and, and we, need to, we need to respond that way, but we need to speak that way always as well, because right. whatever, whatever schemes, whatever you know, plans or devices that are being thought up they're like valueless. They, they have no effect in the big scheme of things in the overall picture. Right. And so not to let it keep us from being agitated <laughs> on behalf of what the Father is doing then. Right. But I, I mean, I felt that agitation and I, you know, and you're, you instantly remind yourself, okay, fast and feasting. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start to declare the things that I know to be true of, that God has said that he Absolutely. will do. Absolutely. And yeah. even, even in the people that are bringing the agitation, Declare yes. the things that God has intended for them. Absolutely. I don't mean they're directly bringing the agitation. No, no, I, it's the yeah. atmosphere. Yeah, the atmosphere. So, all right. And then um, when we look in Psalms 36, 5 through 9, it talks about, you know, the depth that um, the judgment itself has. And it says in verse 5, the mercy, or thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens, and thy faithfulness reacheth unto the clouds. Thy righteousness is like the great mountains. Thy judgments are a great deep. And again, here the word great is an, are abundant, and the word deep is our word, um, which 
you know, I've just been referencing what it means, but the theom. Um, and it says, O Lord, so the plans and purpose, thou preservest man and beast. How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God. Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house, and thou shalt make them drink the river of thy pleasures. For with thee is the fountain of life. In thy light shall we see, or ra'ah, light. So, <clears throat> and so, you know, you see this as it's this abundance of the supply of this agitation that brings his judgment of destruction that man and beast are properly aligned, which actually allows us to be free. And that word for um, preservist, man and beast, is actually means to cause to be free, to be safe or delivered. You know, and so many times people might see judgment as, oh, well, it's the end all of something, it's a destruction. But in that destruction, their real identity, their real purpose, our function is known. And there is a freedom in that that we all have experienced as sons. And so that's what the Father, that's what his mercy (laughs) is bringing about. Because it says, thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens, and the faithfulness reaches unto the clouds, and his righteousness and his judgment. Um, And so it's all part of what the Father has planned for mankind to know um, and to move in partnership with him. And, you know, it's interesting because um, that word, and I taught on it, I don't know, maybe a couple teachings ago, but the word for fat ash (laughs) or the fatness of thy house is that word. And it's, you know, it's just the, um, where is it? Finding, you know, a great satisfaction and having willingly died to our own ways to embody the fullness of his pleasure. And in this, we discern the ability to see as those who have had our eyes illuminated to the truth. And so, you know, again, it says, you know, they shall be abundantly satisfied and um, for with thee is the fountain of life. And in the light, we will ra'ah or discern the light. Oh, okay, she's looking something up. I didn't know if you were going to... So, oh, the um, fatness of thy house. <laughs> I know, he had to keep it going. Um, all right. And then the next couple verses have to do with... Um, deep in its point of partnership with the plans and purpose of the Father. And I really was going in this next verse, trying to really discern and figure out what the Father was saying. And so um, certainly if anyone else has insight to give to it, but um, it starts in verse 7, chapter 42, verse 7. And it says, Deep calleth unto deep, at the noise of thy water spouts, all thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me, and my prayer unto the God of my life. I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? 
As with a sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me, while they say daily unto me, Where is thy God? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. And, um, and so the very first word there, deep, and then when it says unto deep, those are our word thum. And it's interesting because the word for calleth actually is kara, which is through the idea of accosting a person. Um, or, and it roots to um, an encounter, whether accidentally or in a hostile manner. And so this deep calling unto deep, and, and it says at thy noise, which is call, qual, Q-O-L, which means to call aloud or a thundering voice um, of thy water spouts, which would be like a hollow or a gutter. All the waves and the billows wash over me or are gone over me. And it's almost like that as those who are partnering with the, you know, the deep already in that point, it's almost like it calls out for more of that to come. You know, it's like it identifies and it marks us as somebody who's standing as this conduit to bring his judgment upon the earth in order for his restoration to be accomplished. And yet it marks us as somebody who's ready to welcome more of this. So that's this concept of, you know, the deep calling unto deep. And it's not just, oh, hey, come here. It's like violently embracing or accosting that more would come because it's like, wait, here's the conduit. This is where we need to go through in order for, you know, the work of the Lord to be accomplished. It's going to be funneled that way. Um, And it's interesting, too, because when it's talking about all the waves, that word is actually mishbar, which has to do with a breaker, and it roots to shavar, which is to burst or to crush or destroy. And so when he's talking about, um, you know, that that and then the billows, which is the word gall, so something that's being rolled or a spring of water, but it roots to galal, which we know to be that restorative um, process, that cycle, um, that this is all occurring over or um, in a, because the word for gone or gone is a bar, which means to like cover and copulation or overrun. So it's like this creative work that's being done, you know, over top of us as we are standing in this point as of a conduit for his judgment and burning really, or for this deep to be channeled through. And, um, you know, as we come up against these points of agitation, we know that there's, um, going to be a point of judgment in ourselves, but also in the surrounding terio. And we know that the plans and purpose that the Father has appointed, that in the midst of this, the Father is appointing his favor daily, that we would continually make supplication in accordance with his judgment. And that actually has to do with, um, where was it? Because one of the words is tapila, which is that point of supplication. Yet the Lord, oh, because it says, yet the Lord will command, and that's the word appoint, his loving kindness, which is favor. And it says in the daytime, which really just means daily. So he's daily appointing his favor over his sons. And when it says, um, the night his song shall be with me and my prayer. So that word for prayer is tapila, unto the God of my life. <clears throat> um, 
And so when we're in this place, then we're, just, we're being covered over with the work of the Lord that's going to bring about his fresh directive. And, you know, in the rest of the scripture in Psalms, you know, David is speaking to his, you know, soul, why are you downcast? You know, why are you disquieted? Meaning, why are you making a loud sound and raging a war within me? Because my hope is in God. And because of that, he's yet going to praise him. And when it says, who is the health of my countenance, that means who, is, who has saved or delivered my countenance um, and my God. I don't know if anyone else had <laughs> any other understanding to lend to that or if it's fairly, I don't know. But if not, we'll go on to Habakkuk. You may finish early. <laughs> um, in Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 10 through 13. And it says, The mountains saw thee, and they trembled. The overflowing of the water passed by. The deep, which this is our word, uttered his voice and lifted up his hands on high. The sun and the moon stood still in their habitation, and the light of thine arrows they went, and at the shining of thy glittering spear. Thou didst march through the land in indignation, Thou didst thresh the heathen in anger. Thou wentest forth for the salvation of thy people, even for salvation with thine anointed. Thou woundest the head out of the house of the wicked by discovering the foundation unto the neck. Selah. And um, it's interesting because in this, we actually see deep functioning in this point of partnership where it's lifting up its hand or its open hand of partnership to the one who's on high. Because the word um, for, it says the deep uttered, uttered is the word natan, which means to give or bestow. So he gave his voice and voice is that calling aloud, that thundering voice, bleeding is also used, um, and lifted up his hand. So it's kind of that twofold process. Not only was the deep declaring, you know, thunderously, but also then lifting its hand and partnership on high, you know, to that point of elevation for what the Father was wanting to do. And, um, and Habakkuk, you know, just goes on to talk about, you know, the work that the Father did um, in the land against the heathen, but that how he brought salvation to the people and for those that had been anointed. And so... Again, when we look at ourselves as those who are partnering with this point of agitation, you know, this point of judgment requires that we continually have our hands lifted for this open point of partnership and that we are, again, allowing our voices to declare um, what he's wanting to do really out of this point of agitation because it's his truth. It's his to our words that are going to bring life. It's those words that are going to um, bring salvation to his anointed, to the people, and accomplish what he's been wanting to do. And so all of that to say, when the agitation comes, <laughs> you know, to welcome it because we are the conduit that is being poured through and know that our stance is going to invite and welcome more of that, but that this is the commissioning that the Father has given us as sons. And so... 
to not, um, I guess, shirk back or you know, shy away from it because it is <laughs> uncomfortable, because it is that agitated feeling, but to realize that this is part of what the Father has really intended from the beginning of time and that while the enemy had made attempt to cover it over in darkness, that the Father exposed it with his voice to bring light to it and that we too are exposing it because to much of the world, it is still covered. And yet we're the ones who are being his voice of truth to bring light to how the Father wants to utilize this point of agitation. Go ahead. And part of the um, um, work of the enemy covering over is is to disguise or to keep the agitation uh, from being what it's supposed to be and try to hijack it so that we become agitated and begin to move uh, other than what God says. Right. You know, we, we become um, an agent that is actually working against what God is wanting to do. And, and so it... it always requires this relationship. It always requires this time of, of supplication so that we are speaking and we are declaring only what God has shown us to do. And in noting that the darkness is trying to cover that commissioning up and, and so that um, agitation will come and, and it has to be governed by that relationship with the Father. Right. Well, and so that it doesn't become an agitation of waste. You know, it doesn't become what it was at the beginning where something that the Father intended, um, that's like you have the byproduct of it, which would be, you know, the enemy's point of agitation versus what the Father intends. So, amen. So that's it. We finished 10 minutes early. Unless anyone else has any other words of wisdom. (laughs) All right. Very good.